To the Matcast. This is a podcast that helps artists to engage the church and the church to engage artists. My name is Matt Anderson. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. And if your platform allows for it, a five star rating and review is really appreciated. Well, this month, as we uh, at least this year as we've started, we've been going back to basics. And for me, that involved getting back to the two great commandments, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. We've spent the last month exploring that topic of loving the Lord at a deeper level. Because if we just don't get that right, everything else falls apart. And so we've been we've been looking at that in in, uh, in various fashions. We've talked talked about making our roots deep. Uh, we've we've talked about really understanding the gospel for what it really is. And last time we we talked about understanding our story and the the Lord's role in it that can encourage us and, and bless others. I'm going to take a little more of an obvious approach as we kind of continue on this uh, on this vein. Um, and we're going to talk about worship today. I think we as Americans, <laughs> I think we need to face the reality of something. We have kind of, at least in the evangelical church of the United States, um, we are worship consumers. We've kind of turned into that. You know, consumerism is sometimes our best friend and our and our worst enemy. Um the consumerism of the marketplace has obviously allowed for so many great innovations and things to happen in America. It's allowed people to uh, build a life for themselves, um, especially as they submit themselves to God. But it can also turn us into these sort of aficionados, and uh, we start seeing things in view of competition and how well one church does it over another. I think this was made clear to me a number of years ago when I uh, I went to a, um, a missions trip. I helped lead a missions trip of teenagers to the country of Honduras. And I remember when we, we were helping a local church there in the capital city. Um, and I remember just taking in the experience of it and loving every second of uh, what I was doing there. But as the days went on during this missions trip, I started to wonder if the, uh, if the American version of me would have enjoyed the encounter. So let's, uh, let, let's make it more specific. We were there in June, in Central America in June. So you can guess what the temperature was. Um, there was no air conditioning in this facility. It was a rustic meeting place. And Anybody who knows me knows that I love me some Freon. Um, but there I was, and, and, and this was what I had, in a sense, signed up for. And so I was willing to just sweat it out with, with everybody else. Um, 
I don't think I would have had that same level of excitement had that happened at my home church if the AC wasn't working. I would probably wonder if I'd have just gone back home. Uh, secondly, this was an open-air facility. So this, this small little chapel was lined with windows on either side. They were opened up for fresh air. Uh, but with the fresh air came bugs and their relatives that would enter the service and just kind of, kind of fly close to our faces. So my hands were both lifted in worship, but simultaneously served as a swatter of, uh, of bugs. And of course, I just chalked it up to experience then. But seven days before, seven days later, I don't know. I, I would have wondered who was in charge of pest control at, uh, at this church. Um, thirdly, the, the church was using uh, a compact disc um, for worship, played through uh, a sound system. And on the trip, I realized that uh, this church had very limited talent and resources, and they were making the, the best of a difficult situation, and, and I applauded that. But had it been where I usually worship, um, I probably would have vowed to find a church with a live band and uh, cut my losses. In Honduras, I, I didn't know any of the songs that were being sung. And though the language was certainly different, they weren't even Spanish derivatives of popular American songs that I could sing with. I had no idea what these, <laughs> I mean, I knew it was worship, but you know, for honestly, for all I knew, we could have been worshiping some statue somewhere because I didn't know what the lyrics were. And as a temporary missionary there, I expected that and did what I could to just hear and enjoy the music. And I found my little happy place. But, you know, in my regular mindset, I would have been upset that I, a tithe giver, was not being addressed or catered to. And of course, there were no lyrics displayed or printed or anything that I could use. Um, in Honduras, I frankly didn't care. But I would have cared a lot more in the country of my origin. I probably would have used that worship time to ponder um, how a church could possibly keep its doors open without, you know, PowerPoint or easy worship or whatever system playing through. Here's another difference. Uh, sometimes within Hispanic cultures, there will be what's called a, a fiesta sort of style of worship where slower, more contemplative songs are at the beginning, and then celebrative songs are kind of saved for the end. And I here I heartily embrace this new cultural experience, but I probably would have resisted the same song list in the suburbs. And I would have wondered what ridiculous conference the worship leader had gone to that gave him or her this idea. And the Holy Spirit, through, through that whole search of my heart, was gently asking me, Matt, why can't it be like that all the time for you, like it was in Honduras? And of course, there was no answer. Uh, the question was rhetorical. And expo it exposed me as a worship consumer. Maybe you can relate to some of those points. But here's what worship consumers focus on. Um, they focus on a number of things, but I'll highlight two. One is comfort and aesthetic. Um, 
in other words we're setting you know we're, we're setting this tone we're gonna we're setting this mood uh, we're gonna do it with lighting and, and sound and different effects um, it's going to look and feel wonderful we're gonna create this atmosphere in which you can then worship corporately in a church I mean And when I was in Honduras, nothing was comfortable. But I loved every second of it. Now, artists, remember this. For those of you who worship corporately, remember that art often involves discomfort. We, we sometimes have to make our audience uncomfortable with something in order to get them to think and to ponder and hopefully uh, change their mind on something or reinforce something that needs to be reinforced. So we have to remember in the corporate worship experience that if there's discomfort, that it's really okay. It's not a sign that the wheels are coming off of the church or that we, we need to find something better. Just remember in your art that you're trying to accomplish. Now, they may not be doing that in <laughs> intentionally. <laughs> there might be a bad chord or there, you know, I mean, Come on, we've all been there when the computer operator isn't keeping up with the lyrics of the song and you're sitting there like, come on, man, just change it, just change it, change it. And uh, eventually I just close my eyes. I'm like, I can't look at this anymore. Uh, and when we're uncomfortable like that because there's human frailty, we have to be okay with the uh, discomfort. You know what I don't understand is how we got to this point <laughs> I got to be careful. I don't know how we became such weasels when it be, when it comes to worship. Why do I need things in order to worship my Creator and my Redeemer? Why why must my comfort be someone else's concern? Why why does every slide transition, chord progression, lighting cue have to be perfectly executed to keep me in a mood to worship? I mean, when did I become so stinking high maintenance? Why can't I just simply enjoy the fact that Jesus is with me and that he's awesome? And the level of musicality in a band doesn't change that. The room temperature doesn't change that. Why have I turned corporate worship into a spa treatment in which I demand to be pampered and spiritually massaged and soothed for 30 minutes? I mean, if my connection with God can be severed that easily, then it's not strong to begin with. I want you to hear this. Only you can ruin your time of worship. And if we choose to be consumers of worship, we're going to need everything to be perfectly in alignment all the time, whether it's at home or at church or somewhere else. And it's almost like a cockpit checklist that we have to go through before we can say, all right, now I can worship. Because we're so reliant upon aesthetic and, and, uh, and mood um, and comfort. Here's the other thing that worship consumers focus on, and it's themselves. I think one of, the, one of the biggest things that keeps us from worshiping the Lord is our performance. Meaning, we start looking at our life and how well we're keeping the rules 
And if we don't think we're doing that to a satisfactory level, then we just sort of stay quiet. And I think I think it's because we don't want to be hypocrites. Um, and we don't want to sing about how great God is when we've really done nothing but feed our flesh during the week. And I I understand that, but all I can say is if if you neglect to do this, you're only starving yourself. That's all that's happening. I mean, it's it's all what's in your heart. If you understand that you certainly need the Lord's grace, then great. I mean, often in worship, that's what happens. I'm I'm made aware of my sin uh, in in some fashion when I'm worshiping. That's healthy. That's like Isaiah stuff. That's Isaiah chapter six when he saw the the amazing. Um, vision of uh, of the Lord. I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And then Isaiah says, "Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips." It's a, it's amazing how when we're when we see the greatness of God, I am reminded of my uh, my sin and incapability, and that's healthy. That shouldn't keep us from worshiping. That should propel us into worshiping, so that we can right there and then say, "Oh, but God, your grace." Uh, is so great. And unlike Isaiah, the Lord can touch us right there in the spot. We don't need to have an angel take a coal off the altar and touch our tongue. Uh, the Lord has already taken care of all of that. It's just our, our being able to give that to him. And worship, I think, creates that sort of thing. But if we're making it all about us, and we're like, oh, I'm not worthy enough. Dude, you're never worthy enough to worship the Lord. But the Lord has made that entrance way for you. So it's not about you. You know, it's so funny. Uh, every so often as a pastor, I would <laughs> I would hear somebody say, you know, I didn't really get much out of the worship today. And I want to tell them, good, it wasn't for you. And how quickly, how quickly we forget that. This is for him. This is our chance to bless God back and to to love him extravagantly. So I just want to remind us, we're not meant to be consumers of worship. We're to be facilitators of worship. And not just for 30 minutes on a service, but with our lives, we worship the Lord. Our lives are a very act of worship to him. It's time to let go of the consumerism and to realize that worship is such a wonderful, deep way of conveying our love for him. been diagnosed with mesothelioma? Have you wondered if you can take legal action to ease your pain and suffering? The answer is yes. Our law firm only handles mesothelioma claims. Let me say that again. We only handle mesothelioma claims. 
I say that because some of you are calling us with other areas of legal action when we make it very clear on these commercials that we only, O-N-L-Y, handle mesothelioma claims. So please stop calling about your slip and fall at the Home Depot or your case of shingle, COPD, irritable bowel syndrome, gout, diverticulitis, tennis elbow, or carpal tunnel. We don't deal with cases involving asbestos, diet pills, Zantac, talcum powder, hernia mesh surgery, whatever that is, bad labeling on dog food, hot coffee, or vaping products because we only handle mesothelioma claims. And then some of you can't even pronounce it right. You're calling and saying mesothelioma. How about learning to pronounce it before you call us miso? Miso, miso tired of your ridiculous questions. Didn't you hear me on the commercial? We only deal with mesothelioma claims. Meso, get it? Meso! You people are exhausting me. So call our law office today and don't meso it up if you catch my drift. Something I found through the years, and, and this is probably more true in, in my sort of subculture of the kingdom, because I'm, I'm a Pentecostal minister, but I think it's elsewhere. Too often, I think we tie in our emotions to worship. Now, again, that's, that's wonderful when that occurs. I mean, I've, and you have probably had the same experience. You've, you've been in church and, and uh, you were dog tired and you didn't even want to stand up when the worship leader asked you to do that, let alone lift your voice or lift your hands or, or, or whatever it would be. But then you just kind of did it. And then your emotions sort of followed. Um, by the way, I, I find that seems to be the pattern in life. We live in such a feeling culture, a feeling generation, that if we don't feel it, then it's not real. And too often we're led by our emotions instead of being led by the Spirit. When really, when we obey the Lord and follow Him, really the emotion will trail behind. It will be there, but it won't be what signifies which way we go. It doesn't do our decision-making for us. It's a, it's a natural result of obedience. So when the emotion isn't there, and by my calculations, this is just my, my life here, the emotions are there probably 10% of the time. Probably 10% of the time I feel like engaging in worship because my flesh is telling me a million other things because things aren't perfect right now or you sinned or you're tired, all these things that we sometimes have to fight through. And that's why I, I always try to remind congregations when I can that worship is not an emotion. It's a decision. 
Worship is not an emotion. It is a decision. But when you and I make that decision to worship from our hearts, it is amazing that yes, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, those things come up behind and, and validate the decision that we made. But even if they don't, we've still made the right choice. Think about all the people who are important to you. Think about your, your friends, your spouse, your kids. If you're good at being uh, a parent or a spouse or a friend, you're going to find ways to convey your love to those people. You're not just going to fall back into, oh, they know. Which means you have to be very intentional about conveying that love to those people. And rarely will the swell of emotion be there to do so. But just as a good spouse or a parent, and maybe we're, you know, even when we have people that are close to us, we're scared to put it on the line. We're scared to be um, intimate like that and to put our feelings out there because they can just be ignored or laughed at or rejected. But this probably happens to, to every parent. You, you, you tell your, your son or your daughter, hey, I love you. And they respond with, huh? Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, they just don't have the capability of responding in kind at that stage of their life, especially if they're adolescents. So it's tough. You know, it can make us hold back. But if we really love people, we're just going to put it out there anyway. Because that's what Christ did. And when I think about worship, I have to make the decision that I'm going to put it out there to my Lord. The great thing is he always knows what to do with that. And so privately, I want to be able to worship the Lord. Um, and, the, you know, the great thing about technology is you, can I, uh, you and I can just construct a perfect little worship service for us. You know, we, we can grab a song from that album and, and this place uh, and construct a playlist and wow, right? And we've got the best of everything humming right in our ears. And, and that's fantastic. Um, so make use of that. Uh, but don't allow music to replace honest communication with the Lord. It's great. Yes. Sing your heart out. But at some point, at some point, I think it's important for you to go off script and just to be able to tell the Lord in your own words. I see this really missing in the body of Christ right now. I see lots of Christians who are unable to tell the Lord that they love him without something on a screen. And I think we have to get better at this and it really gets better privately. Yeah, we sing the song and everything, but we need to have moments where we just kind of take it on our own and we just start telling the Lord what he means to us. And here's the great thing. You're not being graded. It doesn't have to be perfectly uh, syncopated with, you know, excellent grammar and, oh, look at those gorgeous vocabulary words. It's just so from our heart. And we, I think that needs to become a regular thing because otherwise we, we do sort of become that, become that person who never tells the people who matter that we love them. And I, and yeah, the Lord knows, the Lord knows, but there's something healthy about privately being able to tell the Lord uh, without a worship leader doing it for me 
or without some band on Spotify doing it for me. And I would just encourage you also, when you are choosing songs to use to worship God, choose songs that really maximize His greatness, that talk more about Him than you. There's kind of been a trend in the last 10 years or so, and it's almost like, I love you for what you do for me kind of songs. And it's not like they're awful, but that to me, they don't really hit, hit the mark um, because He's great regardless of me. I'm not the one who makes Him great. So... We, we need songs that really elevate and get us on that higher plane of understanding how, how so awesome he is. You know, I think one of the great mistakes of King Solomon, um, near the end of his life, when he, he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, and if you ever read it, you, you might want to have like a espresso nearby because uh, it is a downer of a book. And you see him coming to the end of himself, and he repeatedly uses words like meaningless, or in other versions, vanity. All is van- It's all vain, you know. And this guy has had 10 of everything. The stuff that you and I think we would have to make us happy, he's had it all 10 times over, and he's very unhappy at the end of his life. And I was reading a book one time, I would love to say I came up with this, and I think it was Charles Swindoll who really made an incredible point. There's a phrase that Solomon uses repeatedly many times in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's under the sun. The most famous being there is nothing new under the sun. And what Swindoll pointed out, I think the book was called Living on the Ragged Edge, as I recall. But what Swindoll points out is that Solomon's vision had become so low, under the sun. Everything was lower. And, and folks, if you and I are look, only looking under the sun in our life, we are going to be very, very desperate, sad people. Worship lifts us above the sun to any realm of time and space that anything is possible and God is big. And you and I need to worship him because it takes us above the sun and it takes us to the sun, S-O-N. And you can never go wrong with that. And then I think publicly, as you and I worship, uh, I, I'm going to say something a little dangerous here. I just want to speak for every pastor in the country and just tell you right now, if uh, unless you're super high risk for this disease and don't have it yet, um, get your butt back in church. I, I know that's direct, but some of y'all are just forming some really new bad habits of staying home for church. And uh, you have no trouble going to Walmart or going out, going out to eat with friends <laughs> and sitting two feet across the table from somebody, but yet you can't you can't go to a church service in a, in a building, in a room that's used once a week and is cleaned in, <laughs> in between. Get your butt back to church, seriously, because we need that public expression of worship with others. And artists, I want you to hear this. Don't do the isolation thing. Not cool. I know we think it's really, art, you know, very artisty to do that because nobody understands us. Get your butt in church doesn't mean that everyone's going to figure you out and and figure out where you're coming from. But there is something about the one another, which is a phrase that is used so often in the New Testament. 
one another, one another, together. All, all those phrases that are used all throughout the book of Acts and through the epistles. There is a one another to this. It's called the body of Christ, not the bodies of Christ. And yeah, I know, I know publicly it can't be this wonderfully crafted experience that we can have at home. But I want to urge you to find your happy place in the gospel. Because no worship band is perfect and someone's going to hit a clunker and the rhythm's going to go off on the percussion and, and the, there's going to be some sort of a technology mishap somewhere and feedback in the monitors. It's going to happen. Let's be mature adults about this. Let's not let one thing make, make us go, oh. let's be mature. Because when, when you and I worship the Lord together with others, something powerful happens in that. Because we're, we're being kingdom in that moment. You, and you can never go wrong with seeking first the kingdom of God. But I never feel more loved than when I'm worshiping. It's amazing that as I am pouring out through song lyrics and then through my own words, when I'm pouring that out to the Lord in, in all honesty, it is amazing what comes back to me. It's not, it's not why I do it, but it's impossible for this not to happen because this is a mutual relationship. And, and the Lord isn't just on some ego trip wanting you to brag about him so he can sit there and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. He is so anxious to give that right back to you and to tell you you're worth it. It's amazing what you experience when you're worshiping the Lord because the Lord immediately answers back with his love. It's hard to think of something that allows us to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength as much as worship does. We just need to get off the stage and make him the main event. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the Matcast. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. We hope to see you again soon. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. If you'd like more information about our books and our resources, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time.